0: Hi again, and welcome to another episode of Leading Safely. Today, we will be looking into the topic of robust conversations. You may know these as courageous conversations, tough conversations, or the conversations that basically nobody likes to have. In your role as an effective safety leader, you may find you are having these conversations daily. I mean, it does come with the job. The thing is with these conversations, they aren't that nice to have in the first instance. They make you feel uncomfortable and perhaps even dread going to work or having to see a particular conversation. I believe, though, that these conversations do not happen enough. And this is because some people avoid them at all costs because they stir emotions and they require careful and mindful discussion. They also have potentially undesired outcomes attached to them. Such as when you follow on from a robust discussion or conversation, there may be a written warning that proceeds, or it may even go down the line of a termination. I'm going to give you an example, and this example ties directly into the Workplace Culture and Risks workshop which I attended this week, which focused on sexual harassment, bullying, and discrimination, and what it means to have psychologically safe workplaces. Speaking of uncomfortable, the story I'm going to share with you now is a real story and a real experience that happened to myself. Whilst there was no physical component to what occurred, mentally it affected me greatly and I completely lost trust in those on site who were meant to protect me or at least do the right thing by me. The story may trigger feelings for you and if this is the case, please feel free to tune out of the podcast now and then tune back in when you're ready. I worked for a mining company and was posted to a site in the middle of nowhere. I worked a seven-on, seven-off roster and was driving in and out of site. There was a team of four on the safety team, including myself, two safety professionals per swing and we directly reported to the project manager with a dotted line report to a regional HSE advisor. The site experience itself was really good. And I know for a fact that I had a positive influence as I'm still in contact with some of the frontline employees from that site to this day. It was the internal HSE team issues that weren't positive, unfortunately. My on-shift colleague was a gentleman who had worked in the industry for something like 40 years. Like many, he had come off the tools only a few years prior prior to me working with him and was letting the safety role carry him into retirement. Sadly, he was also a very racist, sexist, chauvinistic, homophobic, politically incorrect man, and he was loud about every aspect of this. He was crude and vulgar, and no matter who he spoke to, he would make some inappropriate joke with, and when they didn't laugh, he would just keep going until the person ended up walking away from him. Even then though, it was like he missed the social cues that he was being offensive or rude. With me though, things started out with him having me make the odd cup of coffee here and there. He would ask if I was going to the kitchen and then say, I'm just doing this thing, do you mind grabbing me a coffee? I'll get you one next time. So off I would go and make him a coffee. Then it moved to whenever we both attended a meeting, he would ask me to take notes for him, something about his writing not being legible. There were numerous other things that would go on whilst I was on swing with him that really just rubbed me the wrong way as they were highly unprofessional and along those same lines. So I ended up documenting what I was experiencing as it occurred in a diary, a lesson I'd learned from earlier on in my career. Eventually, things came to a head when I was sitting in our office whilst he was on the phone to our regional advisor. He was just chatting away and I could tell the regional HSC advisor must have been asking how I was going, you know, how I was fitting into the team. Anyway, my colleague looks over at me and says, ''Yeah, yeah, she's doing fine, but do me a favour, mate. Next time you send me an admin girl, can you make sure she's got bigger tits for me to look at?'' I was absolutely flabbergasted. I grabbed my phone and hurriedly left the office. I took myself to the furthest, most outside point of the site main office area where no one could hear me, and then everything came out. First, I screamed out of frustration, and then I decided I had to do something about it. I immediately called the regional HSC advisor. He could tell instantly that something was wrong, and as soon as he did, he asked if I was okay. I started to tear up. I then told him I overheard my colleagues say that I was his admin person, And the next time, could I have bigger breasts? The immediate response I got from the regional HSE advisor was, oh, I didn't realise you were in the room. I was shocked again and thought, are you kidding me? I'm not taking that from someone who's meant to be a leader. So I actually said, that's not the response I was expecting. It was as if then he had realised what had just happened. He apologised and asked if I was willing to put in a complaint in writing. I laughed as I told him, of course I would. I didn't just put this conversation in writing. I went back through my diary and included everything that had occurred from the commencement of my time with the company. When I came back to site next swing, my colleague was not there, and I was told by the guys on the crew that something had gone down and he would not be returning. Then I was called into an office by the project manager, who told me that whilst he was aware of a lot of the things I had listed in my complaint... No one else had ever put a formal complaint in against him, and that was the reason for the inaction of management, which I most certainly did call out in the complaint. He then proceeded to tell me that whilst my colleague was everything I had said he was, they were having issues across the business filling roles and had a role at another site they desperately needed filling, so had already moved him to the site. I could not believe what I was hearing. They didn't let him go. They didn't even give him a written warning. Instead, They just moved him onto another site for more people to go through exactly the same thing. After the conversation, I then tried to go about my work. However, because my colleague had been with the business for such a long amount of time and had networks of mates all across site, people kept coming to the office to see him. And when I told them he was now at another site, they kind of gave this knowing look. It started to happen more and more until I overheard some workers at pre-shift asking where he was. Then a shift supervisor looked directly at me and responded to the workers with, I think someone in safety made a complaint, so he got moved on. After that, it was almost as if everyone on site knew what had happened and basically thought I couldn't take a joke. I was then called into the project manager's office again and told that clearly there's a little bit of disjointedness happening across site with what happened to my colleague. So the project team think it's best that I get moved to another site And so I was. Literally, the following swing, I was moved to a site where I knew no one and had to start again with all the rapport building. Unfortunately, the new site management team had obviously been told why I was coming. And so it was almost this crazy cycle of here we go again. That marked the beginning of the end for me. I had so many feelings on the inside. I was hurt and felt unwanted and undervalued. I also felt extremely disappointed in the project manager, who had gone out of my way to defend and protect from a safety perspective on numerous occasions. For psychological safety to occur, we talk about there being trust in the team and your manager, that they care about you as a person and have a real interest in your welfare. I thought I had that, however, I was proven wrong, so I almost felt betrayed even. Why could he not have just had a robust conversation with my colleague? Why could he not sit him down and say, mate, the way you've been treating people is not acceptable. As a business, we do not tolerate it. And therefore, here are the consequences of your behaviour. It all comes back to those robust conversations. Some of them will be like what I've just mentioned with the performance management or HR type activities. However, for each of you, it may be as simple as workers constantly putting themselves at risk or management who are happy to live with certain risks. I'd like to share with you a few key things to help you with having those robust conversations in the workplace. Firstly, you need to deal with your fears. Unfortunately, fear does have many disguises. One way through which you can recognise fear is to identify excuses, like telling yourself the situation is not that bad, or maybe the problem is not worth mentioning. These thoughts are dangerous because here fear tries to keep you from being robust. There are two questions I ask myself when I'm dealing with fear. What are the consequences if I do nothing? And am I willing to accept those consequences? To be honest, there have been a couple of times when I've said, yeah, I'm okay with the consequences of not having this conversation. The outcome was, though, that the relationship did not improve and that nagging feeling of resentment just grew. The outcomes from not having robust conversations have never served me well. The second one is know why you want to have that robust conversation. Before you start a robust conversation, be very clear as to why you are having it. What is the purpose and what do you hope to achieve? Once you've sorted out the why, you will be able to decide what the risks are of having the conversation. If you decide to have the conversation, you need to clear up the following things. What are you trying to achieve? What are you listening for? and what gives you the right to initiate the conversation. The next thing is be prepared to experience discomfort. It is going to get uncomfortable. In a robust conversation, you have to be prepared to discuss the undiscussable, the issues you don't want to deal with but that you know you have to face. Also, the other person may not like what you are saying and may not want to hear it at all. After having sorted out the reason why you're having the conversation, you have to think about how you should set up this meeting. The first step to minimising the feeling of discomfort is to get agreement from the other person on having the conversation. Once you have agreement, begin the conversation by telling your side of the story, which includes the following three points. Why you want to have the conversation, what the issue is that you want to discuss and how this issue is affecting you. In telling your story, you're opening up about the opportunity for dialogue and you invite the other person to join in. If the response is favourable, the next step for the two of you is to start exploring each other's stories and to work out how to move forward or move on, whatever that may look like. Remember, the intent of a robust conversation is to look forward to solutions, not backwards to blame. It is also about speaking the truth, being transparent and vulnerable. This is very hard and chances are that you will mess it up sometimes. That's okay. Don't give up. Keep going and keep practising. Like with a sporting activity which is new to you, the more you practise, the better you get. There are, however, seven critical mistakes which will turn a robust conversation into a toxic one. These are talking too much, having an unclear message, not thinking about the other person's feelings, starting the conversation by saying, So, how's it going? trying to oversimplify the issue. If it was simple, then it wouldn't be difficult to deal with. Over-rehearsing and memorising the script. This will block you from being real. To get caught off guard and to lose sight of the goal. When this happens, we tend to fall back into our defence mode, or if it's really bad, we go back to combat mode and it can turn ugly. If it does get really difficult, keep your content clear, stay calm, Keep your tone neutral and your ego in check. A robust conversation is a tool that helps to resolve relational conflict. The three keys I mentioned earlier help you to prepare to have successful robust conversations. You may not always get the outcomes you want, especially when it comes to health and safety issues. However, if you keep having robust conversations, your relationships in your professional and your personal life will thrive and prosper. So go and be robust and have that conversation you know you need to have but are too afraid to do so. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of my Leading Safely podcast. But before I go, I do have some exciting news. As you know, I've decided to invite other health and safety-oriented professionals onto my podcast to share a topic with all of us that they're passionate about. I commenced recording these episodes this week, so stay tuned as they will be landing for your listening pleasure very soon. Other than that, as always, please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or by emailing me at leadingsafely@outlook.com. Until next time, stay safe.